I'll now read from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. Uh, please follow along on the screen uh, on your phone or pew Bible. So that's Ephesians chapter 5, 1 to 20. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved, dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because, of, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For if this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Graham. Thank you so much. Um, really good to see you all this morning. We do hope that, that this series in Ephesians has been a, a challenge and in many ways a, a blessing to you as well. Um, Paul has been teaching us, the Holy Spirit has been teaching us many things as we live out our, our faith, this clarity and mystery. We've been talking about how life is very often a mystery. We don't know what is coming around the corner. We don't know what the future looks like. Um, even as a, as a Christian, life can be mysterious. We don't know um, exactly why things happen the way that they happen. And yet in the middle of it all, we have a God who, um, who creates a sense of clarity within the mystery that, that he teaches us, that he shows us, that he walks with us, that he leads us. Um, into the purposes and the plans that he has for us. And so we do pray that, that you are being blessed and that you're being encouraged, challenged as well, that you feel like you're growing um, in your faith, in your walk with Jesus as we journey um, through this. Last week, if you were here, uh, we thought about the new self in Christ Jesus, that we are made new in him. And um, Paul was speaking and has been teaching us about the need to put off certain things in order that we can put on Jesus in all of life, what it looks like to put him on, to put on the riches of Christ that are ours as his people. And so today, our message is entitled, um, Sex, Idols, and Darkness. You heard me right, Sex, Idols, and Darkness. There is a sermon title for you. 
I'm going to think about that this morning. You see, in chapter uh, 5, the first two verses, Paul is summarizing what has just been said in chapter 4 with this urging to imitate God, to follow his example by walking in the way of love as dearly beloved children. That's who we are. We are children of God, and he calls us to walk in the way of love. And of course, the example for us to follow, the greatest example that we have to follow as we walk in this way of love is Jesus, the Son of God who loved us so much that he gave himself up for us. He gave himself up, Paul writes, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's who Jesus is. He has loved us so much that he has given himself up for us as a fragrant offering and as a sacrifice to God. And so this path of sacrifice is the way of Jesus. It's a call to self-denial. The way of Jesus is a call to self-denial. I do wonder why it's so hard for us as people today to get our heads around us to properly grasp that the Christian life is a call to self-denial. The call upon us is to deny ourselves every day and to take up our cross and follow Jesus. And yet that's something that we all really struggle with. It's pretty foreign in our 21st century world to deny ourselves, to follow someone who's greater than us, whose ways are better than our ways. And just this week, I was looking at some recap notes on a sermon that John Tyson gave on self-denial. And in, that, uh, in those recap notes, it said this about self-denial. It says, the greatest challenge to our discipleship is the centrality of ourself. Just think about that. The greatest challenge to our discipleship, to us following in the way of Jesus, the greatest challenge is the centrality of ourself. The centrality of self We live in a world where self is central all too often, where we come first, where we're at the center of our own universe. And I think that's why it's so hard for us to get our heads around this call to self-denial, to deny ourselves. When we're at the center of everything, it's incredibly difficult to deny ourselves. What's more, I think we often assume that our inner desires are right desires, that what we feel and sense within us, that those things are always good, that those desires and urges are always good desires and urges within us, but that's not always the case. Those inner affections and desires that pull so strongly at our affections are not always pure. Let's be honest. They're not always right. They're not always holy. They're not always godless or godly, even though at times we might think that we're right. See, the Christian life is radically different, isn't it? We're called. We're called to live with Jesus as Lord. With Jesus as Lord. And the daily invitation within the Christian life is one towards transformation, it's towards transformation as we, as we walk in the way of Jesus, 
As we deny ourselves, he, he makes us and he shapes us by his Holy Spirit to be more and more like him. And one of the very first steps towards transformation is self-denial, that we deny ourselves. I read this week about one wife, um, not my wife, just to make this abundantly clear. One wife commented on the happy marriage that she and her husband had enjoyed for the previous 20 years. What was her conclusion to that? Well, she said this. She said, I guess this is because we're both in love with the same man. (laughs) Some of you are a wee bit slow in your thinking (laughs) and processing this morning. Nobody likes anyone who appears to be full of themselves. Isn't that true? (laughs) As Northern Irish people, we're not too keen on that. We don't like people who appear to be full of themselves, who have themselves up on some kind of pedestal, who are in love with themselves. You see, to be full of yourself is incompatible with the Christian life, the way of Jesus. And when we put on the new self, we're called to bring all of our loves, all of our desires, all of our longings, all of our fears, all of our temptations, all of our affections, all of our sins, all of our whole selves to the foot of the cross, to Calvary, to the place of death, so that they might die. We rid ourselves of ourselves. That's a good thing. We rid ourselves of ourselves and we follow after Jesus. We follow his way. Those recap notes in that sermon on self-denial continue by saying this. Practicing the way of Jesus is not a series of life hacks for self-care. It's a violent encounter with self-death in the pursuit of God. To build this cruciform life, we must surrender and practice daily denial. We must not soften sin to the point of pain management, but rather kill it completely in our pursuit of Jesus. Only his love breaks the spell of our own self. Only his love breaks the spell of our own self. And what we see at this moment in Ephesians 5 is Paul really go after this. Paul wants the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit to break this awful spell of self that lingers around and over all of us. Paul is beginning to show us what it really looks like to follow Jesus in the dirt of life, remember? Remember the first three chapters were in the stars. This incredible theology that Paul paints, this picture of God, what it means to know the God of all creation, the God of the whole cosmos. In the stars, he's he's grander than anything we could ever imagine. But now, now Paul has taken us into the dirt He's taken us into the ground level of your life. He's applying this incredible theology, this understanding of God. He's putting it into the fabric of your life. He wants you to be transformed as you walk on this earth. He wants to be in the dirt and the grit and the grime and all the stuff that's good about you and really not very good about you. He wants to be in all of that. The Holy Spirit is teaching us 
what it means to be transformed from the inside out, to put on the new self. And at this point in Paul's letter, he tackles sex, idols, and darkness. I'm sure you were just really excited to come to church this morning when you heard that. I'm sure you thought, yes, Stuart's going to be preaching on sex, idols, and darkness. That sounds interesting. Well, it is. Paul kicks off this bit of the letter by going for the jugular. He goes straight for it. Look at verse 3. Paul says, Among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for the people of God or for God's holy people. You see, sexual immorality, impurity, and greed, those three things actually all go together. They're like dangerous co-conspirators plotting our downfall as the people of God. Notice in verse 5, they're tripled together again in verse 5. They're just bad triplets. Sexual immorality, impurity, and greed, they go together. They're kind of attached at the hip. And, And Paul shows us that in these words. Sexual immorality. Maybe before we talk about sexual immorality, look at verse 4. All right, I want you to look at verse 4 for a second. Because it says in verse 4 that neither should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Let me point out something that I think is really, really important. And it's this, it's that that obscene or filthy, foolish talk, coarse joking, that kind of stuff is also equally wrong. Before we get into sexual immorality and tackle that head on, we need to note, and Paul is pointing out that rude, inappropriate talk and joking, particularly of a sexual nature, has no place in the life of the follower of Jesus. Dirty jokes, sexualized talk, and innuendos have no place in the life of the follower of Jesus. Sometimes we elevate things, don't we? And we say, this is much more important than that. But Paul is telling us that 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 kind of thing, that kind of coarse, dirty joking, that's equally bad. Don't do it. Don't get caught up in that kind of talk. But then sexual immorality was a huge issue in Paul's day, as it is in our day. In fact, in every day and generation. You may be familiar with the Greek term for sexual immorality. The Greek term is is this term that hopefully will be on the screen, porneia. Porneia, it broadly speaks of all sexual activity outside of a healthy, faithful marriage relationship between a man and a woman. It's that kind of broad of a term. It's a big overarching term and the term is porneia. And I think it's really important that before we start to think about sexual immorality in the lives of people, that we don't just think of other people. Because let's be honest, in some shape or form, we're all sexually broken people. In some ways, shapes, and forms, we're all all sexually fallen. None of us are sexually perfect. Sexual temptation and struggle 
impure thoughts, impure actions, self-seeking, sexual motivations, desires for instant gratification, sexual manipulation. None of us are perfect in this way. Let's be clear about that. Before your mind starts to think of someone else and what they struggle with, we all struggle. Be honest with yourself. But here Paul triples together sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. And what Paul is teaching us is that it's wrong to have any excessive, greedy sexual desires. This kind of satisfaction at whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. Back to this term that's on the screen, pornea, you'll realize that it's where our English term, pornography, comes from. Just this week, Wednesday morning, I was at a church leaders gathering organized by an organization called the Naked Truth Project. And they are setting out to open eyes and free lives from the damaging impact of pornography, which they say is hijacking people's lives, robbing futures, families, and freedoms. The stats I heard on Wednesday were shocking. Shocking. The effect of pornography on people's lives. The Naked Truth Project are doing all that they can to help people, families, who are being absolutely destroyed by this. And so just at this point, I want to say something. And I want to say that if you need help, or you need help with someone else, or you just want to find out more, please speak to me, message me in total confidence after the service, and I'll help point you towards the incredible help that they provide. The resource that they have is incredible. And they're wanting to set people free from this problem. In our world, um, supposed sexual liberation is what people are experiencing. Sexual freedom, the best life they've ever lived. But are people really thriving today? Are people really flourishing today? Well, I don't think so. In our world, people are struggling. Families are being torn apart People are not flourishing in this way that they believe that they ought to be. Our world is not thriving and flourishing. And yet this teaching of Paul, the way of Jesus, is for our flourishing. It's for our good. What we're talking about here is not legalism. I'm not standing up here condemning anyone. I'm not standing up here saying, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. The list of rules and regulations, that's not what this is. This is liberation. The gospel is liberation. The way of Jesus is freedom. The way of Jesus is flourishing for you. And so, yes, Jesus wants us to be a people who flourish in our sexuality, but he wants us to flourish in all of life. In all of life. And so we must believe that his way is the better way. Young people, again, let me speak to you in the room. Older people listening, listening. You younger people, God has made you. God loves you. And he wants you to flourish. The way of Jesus is the way of flourishing. 
He made you, he loves you, and he has given guidelines for your flourishing, for you to thrive in life. And so we're talking about things. Some of you are probably sitting here thinking, this is really awkward. What this guy's standing at the front of church talking about, really awkward. Here, do you know what? We don't talk about this enough in church, isn't that right? That's why we are going for this right now. You may be thinking this is really awkward, but you young people, this is for your good. This is for your flourishing. We believe that the way of Jesus is the better way, the best way, the best life you could ever live. Life in all of its fullness in Jesus' name. Stay away from stuff that is going to destroy you. Stay away from stuff that's going to eat you from the inside out. Stay away from stuff that's going to damage how you view you young men in the room. You listen to me. You older men listen to Stuff that's going to damage how you view how you view woman. You stay away from it. Stuff that objectifies the opposite sex. You stay away from it. You love the way that you ought to love. Jesus has come for you to flourish, for you to experience flourishing in all of life, right through your whole body, mind, and soul. You young people, Jesus truly loves you and wants you to flourish. This is awkward, but you listen up. You have your ears and your heart open to this. Sex, idols, idols. Paul continues in verse five and he says, for of this you can be sure. He says, no immoral, impure or greedy, uh, greedy person. There's that tripling together again. Such a person is an idolater, he says, and has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. I've always found Tim Keller's teaching on idolatry really helpful. Talks a lot about idolatry, talking to a generation who maybe don't understand fully what sin is. He talks a lot about idolatry, what it means to have idols in our lives. And here's what Tim Keller says about idolatry. He says, an idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give you, that essentially is an idol. Okay, anything that you think you think is going to give you more than what God can give you, that is going to be an idol in your life. And so Paul says that immoral, impure, greedy people are idolaters and they have no inheritance in Christ's kingdom. Okay, Paul, that's a massive statement. That's huge. Right there, Paul, that's a massive statement. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Paul has just dropped a bomb in the middle of his letter. Big theological bomb. But let's be careful with this, okay? Let's be really careful. What Paul is not saying is that if we sexually sin or if we think impure thoughts, we're going to be excluded from heaven forever, okay? That's not what he's saying. If you sin sexually or in any other way in your life, repent of it. 
Ask God to forgive you and you will be forgiven. God's grace is always available and it's always enough. Please know that. God's grace is always available and it's always enough. New every single morning. Okay, but Paul is not saying that if you sin, you will not go to heaven. But here's the important thing. Here's what Paul is teaching. If you're living a life where your sexual desires or any other desires within your life, your impurity, your greed, if those things are more important to you than Jesus is, if there are lusts and desires that are absorbing your heart and your imagination more than God is, in other words, if there are things that are sitting on the throne of your life that are the most important thing above and beyond any other thing before and above and beyond God himself, if you're seeking those things to bring you ultimate satisfaction in life, if there are other things that you think are saving you, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. And Paul wants us to remove the idols, to get them off the throne of our hearts and to put Jesus in the place of glory. Only he can be there. Anything else that, that, that tries to sit on the throne of your heart is number one, Get rid of it. It's an idol. Only Jesus can occupy that place. If it's business first, if it's money first, if it's sexuality first, if it's reputation first, get rid of those idols. Get rid of those idols. Put Jesus first. Turn to him today. Do it now. Any idol in your life will only let you down. Idolatry only leads to disappointment. Jesus only leads to life. Satisfaction deep within our soul. Sex, idols. What about darkness? What about darkness? Sex, idols, and darkness. Don't partner with darkness. Don't partner with darkness. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. <laughs> That's the height of my singing. It's a familiar lyric, isn't it? Well, it hopefully is. A lyric from Simon and Garfunkel's much-heralded uh, folk song, The Sound of Silence. Um, I actually really like that song, by the way. Don't know what it says about me, but I like that song. But I've always found that, that lyric, that kind of opening lyric, quite ominous and rather sinister. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. It's kind of dark, isn't it, and weird? But there's actually a, a pretty heartwarming story behind that lyric um, of how during his college days, Art Garfunkel would help and support his blind friend, Sandy Greenberg, as he navigated a life that was filled with darkness. Um, and, and I think Art Garfunkel called himself darkness. He was the one who was guiding him, his friend, through college life, and hence the lyric, Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk to you again. So it's actually not that sinister. After all, you'll be delighted to hear. You can listen to that song in case you've been thinking, No, I'm not going near that song. That opening lyric is just too much. It's not too bad. But listen to me in a spiritual sense. Darkness is not your friend. In a spiritual sense, we cannot say, hello, darkness, my old friend. 
I've come to talk with you again. Darkness is not your friend. The prince of darkness is your enemy. And the deeds of darkness belong to him. Notice what Paul says of the Ephesian Christians uh, and of us in verse 8. If you're following along, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Just listen to what Paul is saying here. Notice that he doesn't say you were once in the darkness, but now you're in the light. Paul says you were once darkness. You were once darkness, but now you are light. What Paul is talking about here is a fundamental shift in identity. He's not talking about an environment that you go into. He's talking about who you are. He's not saying that you once were walking into dark places, but now you're walking into places that are full of light. He's saying you were once yourself darkness, but now you are light. Isn't that the good news of Jesus? That's the gospel. It's not that good people become better, but it's dead people become alive. People who were once darkness now become the light of the glory of God in Christ. Paul is talking about our identity. When we come to Jesus, we undergo a fundamental change in our identity from darkness to light. We are light. You are light. One commentator puts it like this. He says their lives and not just their environment have been changed from darkness to light. And so Paul goes on in verses 9 to 10, if you're following along, Paul says, Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out, he says, what pleases the Lord have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And so church family this morning... Get out of the darkness. Get out of the shadows if you've been playing about in there for too long. Get out of the shadows. Get out of the darkness. Let the light of Jesus shine in you and through you. Live in the light of Jesus. Be done with deeds of darkness. If there's any sexual immorality or impurity eating you from the inside out, confess it before the Lord. Rid yourself of it. Don't simply excuse yourself. Deny yourself. Don't simply manage your sin. Crucify it at the foot of the cross. Don't simply look to the light. Let's walk in the light. Let's walk in the light the way of Jesus you may be thinking, but Stuart, how on earth can I do that? This has been really heavy. You may be thinking, this is just too much. Sex, idols, and darkness. My goodness. You're out of breath up there at the front. We're, we're all out of breath here in our pews. How do I do this? How on earth do I do this? This is massive. Sex, idols, and darkness. Well, come with me for a moment as we finish. We're going to finish with this. Look at verses 18 to 19. All right, here comes the Holy Spirit. He's already here, but here comes the Spirit of God. Paul says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. You know what? Just let the pressure off. Paul knows you need help. He knows I need help. Hey, I need help. I'm your minister, your pastor. I need help. I need serious help from God. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. 
You need the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God. Paul knows that. He knows that holiness and purity doesn't just like spring up naturally from within us. We struggle. We're broken, hurting people. You've been, you've been sinned against. Some of you know the pain of that more than any of us know. You've maybe experienced the, the real hurt of sin against you. The abuse of another person. We're all hurting, broken people. We're in real need of help. And so I can stand up here and go through all this stuff. And it can just go over your head. And so Paul says this. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need help? Here is the helper. You need to break some stuff off? Here's who can do it. You are not alone. My Spirit is here. And he wants to do a work in you. He wants to fill you to overflowing. Be filled to the full measure with the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul means. And so as we close, two things about Spirit filling. It's a command. Paul doesn't say it's a good idea to be filled with the Spirit. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, he says be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. Secondly, it's continuous. It's something that you ought to desire every single day. When you wake up, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lunchtime, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Dinner time, fill me with your spirit. And as you go to bed, Lord God in heaven, fill me with your Holy Spirit. It's a command and it's continuous. And so if you feel empty, a little dried up, if you feel unable to do any of this, if you feel devoid of power, lacking in purity, low in spiritual fuel, I want you to ask God today to fill you with his spirit, to refill you with his spirit, filled to the measure with his spirit. The result will be singing, thanksgiving and gratitude, songs to God, songs from the spirit. That's what comes from the person filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me invite the praise uh, group forward. Or at this point, it's maybe just Shane. Wonderful. We're going to sing together in a moment. But before we do that, I want us to create just a few moments for the Holy Spirit to rid us and to fill us. To rid us of what needs to go and to fill us with his holy presence. I had this awful image in my head when I was preparing for this. Have you ever, um, have you ever filled your car with the wrong thing? <laughs> you know, like you're meant to put diesel in and, you, and 25 quid later you realize that you're holding the, the petrol pump and there's petrol going into your car and not diesel or the other way around. I did it once. Um, I did it once and I have not done it again because of the hassle that it caused me to get that, that petrol out and get the diesel in. But maybe this morning you realize that you've been filling yourself with the wrong stuff. And it's time to siphon that out again. To confess that to God. To ask God to fill you again with the Holy Spirit. And so our response time today is that specific. 
Shane's gonna gonna lead us in a song. Search me and know me. I would encourage you to keep your seat. We're gonna sing another song after this when we can stand and praise God. But I want you to keep your seat. And I want you to come before God. You can sing along as Shane leads us. But if your desire is to be filled again today with the Spirit of God, then just in these moments, ask him to do that. Let me also invite our prayer ministry team who can spread out across the front of the church. They'll simply be available if you want to come. And they will simply pray that prayer that the Spirit of God would fill you once again. And so maybe you're here and you feel dried up, empty, devoid of power. We're asking God today to fill us again with his Spirit. So Lord God, come. Holy Spirit, come. As Shane leads us in this song, we acknowledge that you're here for our flourishing. Holy Spirit, you have come that we might have life in all of its fullness. Whatever has got within us is causing a blockage to those streams of living water. We bring those things to you and we pray, we pray, come Holy Spirit, fill me again. So in these moments, come Holy Spirit and do what you alone can do. We give these moments over to you. Come and sanctify us. Move in this place. Let streams of living water flow and lead us into flourishing in Jesus' name. Amen.